You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. Our expert guests help you to understand coronavirus disease 2019 and how you can manage your health, well-being and financial security during this time. Hi there, Desi here. I'm a clinical psychologist chatting to you today about something many of us don't like to think about, something that at this time is driving so much of our fear and panic, losing a loved one to COVID-19. Death is a scary subject, so much so that we tend to avoid it at all costs. And while we as a world are currently fighting against it with all our might, I feel it's crucial that we not neglect those who may need our help through it, so that where we find it impossible to preserve life, we may make its ending for both the person and their loved ones as gentle and humane as possible. If your loved one falls ill with COVID-19 and needs to be hospitalized, Make sure to stay connected through video calls, phone calls, messages. Even though it's incredibly tough, let them talk about death if it's on their mind. They may be trying to work through fears, repair relationships, settle affairs, feel more prepared. It's okay for you to think about these things too. It doesn't mean that you want it to happen or that by thinking about it, you'll make it happen. Being honest and open at this time can allow us the opportunity to say the things we may later wish we'd said especially if our loved one's condition worsens suddenly. And even if that happens and they are sedated or seem like they're sleeping, don't assume they can't hear you. As we understand more and more about the brain, we realize it continues to work even as the rest of the body struggles or shuts down. So if you get the chance, say what you need to, take the time to say goodbye. All of this can be an intensely scary and painful experience. I really suggest finding a therapist to work with during this process if this is something you're facing right now. The days right after a loved one's passing can be so dark and heavy. Grief is a natural response to loss and there are no shoulds. No one way to look or feel or be when you're grieving. No set timelines. It's a unique experience for each of us and healing is gradual. Under the current circumstances of the pandemic and lockdown, the grieving process may be even more complicated. Not being able to be with our loved one physically in their last moments can make their death seem less real. It can leave us feeling more angry or guilty. We can battle to have any sense of closure. Our natural morning rituals could also be disrupted because of the restrictions of the lockdown. Maybe we can't get to the funeral or be with family, or we can't have the kind of celebration of their life that we really want to have, that they deserve to have. And then there's the greater anxiety we might feel about this virus, the wild panic of, What if someone else I love gets it? What if they die too? There are so many different ideas and models about grief and its stages and what is required of us in order to heal. Try not to get too caught up in these details. These neat categories can never truly capture the full richness of our human experience. The unique combination of who we are, the experiences we've had, our relationships with the person who passed on, circumstances of their death and so, so much more influence the way we grieve inside. What is helpful about these models is having a name for what's happening to us. They help us to understand and make sense of what we feel in response to having our loved one leave our world. Grief tends to shift, transform, ebb and flow. When we first learn of our loved one's death, we feel confused, numb. This can't be true. I must be dreaming. Everything in us denies the news, screams no, we're in shock and disbelief. We might even have physical reactions like nausea, weakness, body pains. It may be tough to sleep, to eat, to engage with others. 
In this early, early time of grieving, denial actually helps us to slow things down and to only let in as much as we can bear. If you find yourself here, all you need to do right now is survive. Just get through this day, this minute. Get enough sleep, shower, eat, drink water, move a little, sit outside if you can, be around others, even if you don't want to speak. Meeting these basic human needs can feel like an uphill climb for a while, so get all the help you need with the tasks of daily living, of just daily being. As the days then pass, we realize our loved one is not there, not coming back, is unreachable, and then more of reality seeps in. We might get angry at what has been taken from us, at being made to feel this way, and we may desperately look for some way to direct that anger. How could they leave us? The doctors should have done more. And where was God in all of this? Maybe we're absorbed in thoughts of our loved one, obsessed, unable to think of anything else, yearning for them, searching for ways to get close again, looking at old photographs, rereading messages, or holding on to unwashed clothing that carries their scent. If only they'd stayed home. What if we'd taken them to the hospital earlier? If we were there with them, we would have been able to prevent this, to see the signs sooner, to get them a better doctor. Then time moves on, and the reality sinks in even more that nothing changes, no matter how much we get mad or bargain or think of what could or should have been. This draws us closer to a sense of helplessness and of deep, deep sadness. We can't bring our loved one back, no matter how much we fight reality. The despair brings us to a stillness, a quiet knowing of a loss that can't be changed. Life becomes grey as we get in touch with the pain underneath it all. We withdraw from the world. We wonder how we could live without them there. We need to feel this pain. Express it through words, art, music, movement. Find someone who can help us make sense of this, process it, integrate it. Pretending the pain is not there won't make it go away. It wants to be seen and acknowledged. It asks for recognition of what we've lost, how much our loved one meant, means to us. If we deny this pain, what it may do is turn into something else, something we find more acceptable to feel, like a headache or self-hate, anger, sleeplessness. But in that case, we might continue to suffer endlessly. When we're ready, we enter the new reality fully and we start doing for ourselves some of what our loved one used to do for us, both internally and externally. We begin to live with the loss, adapting to a world without our loved one in it. Yes, it hurts. Yes, we miss them. But we also know we're alive and they're no longer here in person. So we carry them with us. We even have some good moments here and there. Laughing again, having better days doesn't mean you're forgetting your loved one or betraying them. It just means you're learning to exist with the pain. Part of living with the loss means rebuilding our lives, deciding what a life without our loved one looks like. And even though they will not be physically present in the future, we can stay connected to them through memories, through what they taught us, how they changed us. Finding meaning in our loved one's existence can help guide our future, as if they're still walking this path with us. Ask yourself, what did their existence mean to you, to others they came into contact with? How can a part of them continue to live through you? Maybe through a project in their name or through the way you lead your life because of the impact they had on you? Consider the meaning in the time you had together, in watching them grow, in being their child, in sharing a life. Try not to rush into this part of grief, though. Don't use it as a way to avoid the pain. Just let it evolve organically in its own time. 
As we move through grief, we can get stuck at any part of this process we've been chatting about. Some things that can help are being patient with ourselves, caring for our physical health day to day, bringing our focus back to just this moment, allowing feelings to flow through us as they rise, leaning on loved ones for comfort, support, practical help even, turning to our faith if it's something we value, expressing our pain through creativity and talking about our loved one, remembering and celebrating them, connecting with others who've experienced a loss maybe through an online support group, and even taking a break from the grieving now and then, where we can just enjoy a sense of normality by, for example, having a movie night or starting a new hobby or having a virtual dinner with friends, taking up life on some of the things it still has to offer despite our loss. If you're grieving and wondering whether you may need therapy, here are some signs to look out for. Is it impossible to believe or accept that your loved one is gone? Is your grief getting stronger and stronger with time instead of easing up? Have you started thinking that life is pointless, meaningless, not worth living? Are you feeling scared, anxious, having panic attacks? Do you feel tormented by guilt or regret? Are you endlessly consumed with thoughts of your loved one that you can't get away from? What about feeling more and more numb or disconnected, empty? Do you find yourself wishing you died with your loved one instead of them or maybe that you could die now to be with them? And do you battle to care for yourself, to do the things you need to do in your life, work, study, eat, have relationships? If you found yourself saying yes after yes after yes, please reach out to a psychologist or counsellor. And if you're not sure how to do that, call the SA Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAG, on 0800 21 22 23 and chat to a counsellor. They can guide you to a professional in your area as well as to support groups. The death of someone we love is excruciating. You don't have to walk that road alone. It is in these moments of pain that human connection can help hold us together, give us a soft landing while we give the grief wound time to heal. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.